All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is Monday, January 16th, and this is Daily Faceoff Live, streaming to you on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook accounts. I'm Tyler Uramchik, and he is the NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how was your weekend? It was pretty good. Not as uh, crazy as yours. I can tell you that as you were on the hashtag nation vacation in Vegas, you seem no worse for wear. So you're looking good. Yeah, it was uh, not an easy wake up this morning, but we'll get through it. And you know what? It's easy to get through a show like this when we have news to discuss. So there's a lot to get to, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the big extension from today. The Minnesota Wild going seven years times seven million dollars with Matt Boldy committing almost 50 million dollars to a player who hasn't even played 100 career games. Frank, Matt Larkin has a piece up on dailyfaceoff.com calling Boldy. The next David Pasternak, is that a stretch or is the ceiling really that high with Boldy? And could this extension in turn really turn out to be quite a bargain down the road? Yeah, I think it could be. And I think the reason for that is we have enough sample size already to know that he's currently a really productive player in the NHL. Like I think he's knocking on the door now of being worth a $7 million player. And he said in his story today, Matt Larkin did on dailyfaceoff.com that if you go back and compare the numbers, you know, Pasternak getting that six times $6.67 million deal coming out of his entry-level contract, the percentage of cap hits is very similar. We think of that Pasternak deal now as such an absolute bargain for the Boston Bruins and what that's meant for them in terms of how productive they've been able to ice a team around him. 
Well, if you get anywhere near the same level of production from Matt Boldy as he continues his ascent, stepping into the league last year at nearly a point-per-game player, that it could really age well for the Minnesota Wild. You attain some cost certainty, you buy a couple years of unrestricted free agency, and now you have one of your top players locked in for a while. And so there are going to be tough decisions to make. That's the nature of the reality for the Wild, where they're at in their cap situation with so much dead space attributed to the Ryan Suter and Zach Parise buyouts. It increases to $14 million and change next season. And so they're going to have to say goodbye to a couple pieces and get a little bit more creative, get some players that are playing on entry level, find another bargain like Sam Steele if you can do that, which the Wild did this season. They traded out Cam Talbot for Gustafson. Make those types of changes and the Wild will be okay. But I felt like it was important, and obviously they did as well, to get Boldy locked up long term so that it's not a question moving forward. Instead of trying to bridge him and pay more later, perhaps you just pay a little bit more on the front end to get that bargain later. Yeah, 100%. And sometimes with these kinds of deals, the overpay seems almost extreme right off the jump. And we've had conversations like this before. We were like, oh, in two years, is this player really going to be worth so much more that you couldn't have just bridged it and taken the savings early? But with Boldy, like you said, he's knocking on the door of being worth $7 million right now. Like This is a guy who I think if you would have bridged him, you might have been paying $10, 11000000 million in a few years as the cap goes up. And from Boldy's perspective, I mean, it's pretty easy when you're 21 years old, I think, and someone says, how's 49 million guaranteed sound to kind of go, yeah, I think I'm going to lock that in. Uh, so Matt Boldy goes long term with the Wild. They now only have about $9 million, $9.3 million in projected cap space coming up for this offseason. Of course, that could increase if the cap goes up a little bit. But Gustafson, Addison, Duhame, Goudreau, Steele, Shaw, Dumba, and Reeves all left unsigned for Bill Guerin in the wild. Uh, let's get back to what we saw on the ice over the weekend, and that was the Winnipeg Jets staying hot. It was actually a tight game against the Arizona Coyotes, but regardless, two points for the Winnipeg Jets, and that put them into the top spot in the Western Conference, Frank, a team that missed the playoffs last year, a team that really didn't do a ton over the summer other than make a coaching change with Rick Bonus coming in for Paul Maurice, but they are top spot in the West. You are a year late on being a big believer in the Minnesota or in the Winnipeg Jets, I suppose, but this is just wildly impressive. The way they've been able to turn things around from such a drama-filled, disappointing season to what we have now. Yeah, they've sort of been one of the models of consistency this season in the NHL. We haven't talked about the Jets going through any sort of swoon. And I think what's most impressive when you watch the Jets season is that they've been able to accumulate this number of points to be in clear number one spot in the Central and the West because of the fact that they've been able to weather so many injuries. You think back to you know a Friday night 10 days ago, they're looking at getting Nikolai Ehlers and a quarter of their lineup back in, and, and that's what happened. And so now you take this team that was sort of kind of treading water and playing really well consistently throughout the season, that now they're maybe able to get to that next gear, that next level, and begin to take off. So that's what I think we're starting to see from the Winnipeg Jets is they're separating themselves a little bit from the rest of the pack. And um, you know now in a spot where... How much damage can they do? How aggressive will they be at the NHL's trade deadline? That's what sticks out to me because you look at a team that's, for the most part, been pretty conservative when it comes to deadlines. Well, I think now, given where they're at in their cycle, given where they're at with some contracts that expire in one year's time, that they're probably in a really strong position to add and certainly help with some secondary scoring for this team. 
So secondary scoring, a potential area of need of he does have his first round pick for each of the next three drafts as well. Do you think they'll get that aggressive? Could you see the first round pick being in play? Yeah, I mean, why not? You've got a team right now that under Rick Bonus has proven that they're in that you know upper echelon of teams in the NHL. The Western Conference, I think, as a whole, is generally wide open, and so they're in a spot where they can you know potentially move some of those futures in order to help this team right in the here and now because. That's what they've been building for the last number of years. It didn't work out last year for whatever reason from start to finish. Last season was a lost cause. So now you take the team that you previously believed in, you give them another shot, which takes a supreme article of confidence in order to do that from the beginning, that now they're paying you off for that belief. Yeah, a year ago today, we were talking about, oh, Shifley, Wheeler, are there times in Winnipeg coming to an end? And now that just feels like so long ago. And you mentioned they're only getting healthier, which is maybe the most intriguing part of this. Uh, let's talk about some potential trade deadline targets for our next couple of topics here. And maybe some of these guys are players. You mentioned depth scoring that could help the Winnipeg Jets. But over the weekend, you had a list up of five potential unsung heroes that could be available at the deadline, including Gustav Nyquist. From the Winnipeg, or sorry, from the Columbus Blue Jackets, Max Comtois of the Anaheim Ducks, Tyler Bertuzzi out in Detroit, Sean Monahan in Montreal, and Teddy Bluger in Pittsburgh as well. Kind of pluck one off that for me, if you will, Frank, and give me someone who you think could be, you know, really sought after around the league. Who would maybe top that group of five? Well, I think that's kind of the point of this list, Tyler, is that not all of them are going to be front of mind, you know, sort of, hey, let's go after this guy and grab him type of acquisitions. Maybe Tyler Bertuzzi is the one exception. Obviously, he's been dealing with injury this season and is uh, just finally getting back and getting healthy again. Um, his name has been out there previously, so not a huge shock that he's someone that might be available from the Detroit Red Wings. But I look at a guy like Gustav Nyquist. I think he's such a great check down option for a team that's in the market for a scoring winger. He's someone that, you know, is generally uh, really consistently productive. You can kind of pencil him in every year for 50 points. He does it without a ton of fanfare. He went over to the San Jose Sharks a few years back uh, on the eve of the deadline and ended up being a really consistent player for them and someone that was a contributor in their playoff run as well. So um, I look at someone like Nyquist as a guy that could really be a pretty decent addition without having to give up a whole ton. 11 points in 20 playoff games for the San Jose Sharks, Gustav Nyquist a few years back. So Nyquist is someone that stands out to me as a strong, you know, sort of secondary addition if you get past, you know, the bigger name scoring wingers that might be out there like a Patrick Kane or, um, you know, whoever it is that you pick as sort of the ideal target, a Brock Besser or someone else. Nyquist in that next tier down of players that I think could be really interesting and not all of these guys will move, Tyler. I think Teddy Bluger made our trade targets list as a way of just pointing out that the Pittsburgh Penguins are dealing with a real cap crunch. They're going to essentially be in a dollars in, dollars out scenario. There's no real way to create other cap space. So if they want to get creative and add a significant player, whether it's an insurance piece for Chris Letang on the back end or whether it's uh, some additional help up front, that Teddy Bluger is someone that teams out there would have interest in as a way to create some of that cap space and then be able to add. So um, otherwise, I think they're pretty happy with his contribution and, and certainly are not in a rush to move him. But just goes to show you when you look at some of those guys out there that you can get creative and potentially pry one of those guys loose. 
And it seems like our guy Tyler is having some uh, internet issues mm -hmm. here. So I will keep rolling with our deadline countdown series. And we have another story coming up on dailyfaceoff.com shortly. And it's a player profile of Jonathan Taves, captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. And we'll go through all sorts of things in the player profile, his ideal fit and archetype, his comparable trades and potential fits. And so when you look at some of the teams that may be interested in a guy like Jonathan Taves, I'd say uh, a couple teams stand out. The Colorado Avalanche are one. The Edmonton Oilers would be another. I wonder about the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and some of these other playoff-bound teams that could be in the market for some help down the middle. I think Edmonton, it's a secondary priority for the Oilers at the moment. Uh, their top objective, I believe, right now is to add uh, some help on the back end. And so that's certainly something that uh, they would be looking at to fulfill first before maybe pivoting to something like this. But when you look at Jonathan Taves, the real question is, what exactly is he bringing to your lineup right now? For the longest time in his career, he's a franchise player. We were thinking 2014 Sochi Olympics. It was the big debate would be if you were starting a franchise coming off two Stanley Cups uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, would you want to center it around Jonathan Taves or Sidney Crosby? That's the type of career that Taves was having up to that moment. And then after that, he sort of transitioned to be what we'd call in our archetype ranking series, a clutch player, someone that is clutch is code word for Selkie, someone that, you know, uh, is a complete 200 foot player, a general pain in the ass to play against. And Taves has certainly lost some of that with the age curve. And so I think that's what teams would really like to figure out in an ideal role, in an ideal setting on a contending team. Is he a second line center? Is he a third line center? And so as we go through our scouting report today on dailyfaceoff.com, we'll attempt to answer that and figure out where exactly Jonathan Taves may fit, Tyler. I think that'll be really interesting. I mean, obviously you mentioned the idea of maybe the Edmonton Oilers being a team that could fit with Taves and how dangerous they could almost be with him sliding in in that third line. But a guy just because of the winning pedigree, right, Frank? I think a lot of teams and a lot of GMs could look at that and kind of go, man, he's you said clutch player. That's a guy you just sprinkle into your lineup, depth, roll, and all of a sudden you're you're that much better as a group in your top nine. Uh, in terms of the asking price, could it reach Claude Giroux levels? Is it maybe still too early to speculate on that? No, I don't think it's too early to speculate. And I thought that was sort of the ideal comparable because of the idea that he has the same agent. He has the same contract as Giroux from last year. He holds all the keys with the no move and no trade clause that Jonathan Taves is only moving if he wants to and where he wants to. And so I thought that was an interesting one to throw out maybe a couple months back. He's obviously been less productive than Giroux was at this time last year. And I think as we go back in time, the Claude Giroux return for the Flyers, given what they were up against, in that they weren't allowed to negotiate with any other team. Drew said, I only want to go to the Florida Panthers. Well, that return actually looks a bit better and better. So the first round pick, yes, we know it's a few years from now, but also the first round equivalent in Owen Tippett and some of the other pieces that came along with it, it, it really ends up not being a bad deal for the Flyers. I don't know that uh, Taves quite gets to that level. And I think a lot of it largely will depend on how his play looks over these next six weeks or so before the deadline, because Taves started out really well in October. His game had struggled for a bit. And then even you watch the last five games or so, he's been a bit more productive of late. So you wonder where his game ultimately ends up. And, and frankly, Tyler, how desperate a team might be. 
Yeah, I, I like that word there, how desperate a team could get for Jonathan Taves. Uh, let's move along here, get to our big segment today. There is a lot of drama around the Vancouver Canucks. Let's dig into it with the All-32. That's right. This is the All-32 delivered by our friends at Montana's. And we're going to talk Vancouver Canucks today with Satyar Shah, our friend from Sportsnet in Vancouver. I join Sat every Monday evening. And Sat, we'll have a ton to talk about on tonight's show. But first, got to start with what's going on on the coaching front. Another report this morning uh, that the Vancouver Canucks seem to be closing in on Rick Tockett, yet you see the celebration, so to speak, on the bench after their win against the Carolina Hurricanes on Sunday evening. It's pretty clear to me that these players still want to play for Bruce Boudreau, but this has sort of evolved into the or devolved into the theater of the bazaar. It kind of reminds me of um, if you've ever, ever been in a situation in a relationship with somebody or with a friendship with somebody, and you decide to not be um, roommates anymore and you move out and you have that awkward phase for like a week or two where you move your stuff out the other person comes and goes and you have the awkward interactions that's kind of what it seems like right now like people know where this is going but they still haven't finished it all off and and honestly frank everything i had heard heard all along was they wanted to get through this season or wait as long as possible before making a coaching change and I bet you that they don't want to be doing this this week or maybe even next week. But considering how these reports have gotten out and how much speculation is out there for a front office who wanted to keep things, you know, under wraps as much as possible, it seems like every move they're trying to make or every, every plan they make gets out anyways. And I just wonder if even if they want to hold off here as long as possible, if all this speculation, all this talk forces their hand sooner. Another storyline that seemed a little bizarre was what's going on with Tanner Pearson. There were, some, I know, some weird comments from some players as well. Now we have a press conference coming up today. Can you maybe just walk us through what we know about the Tanner Pearson situation so far and maybe what you could be expecting from the press conference later on today? So he hurt his wrist a couple of months back and we got a pretty, it was only like a day or so afterwards that it was a report or the team mentioned that he had surgery. So it's what, what has happened since then is he's had at least three procedures and he needs more procedures on his hand. And it seems to be based on what Quinn Hughes said when he mentioned to the media, when we just asked a very simple question about Tanner Pearson being done for the season, saying his situation was not handled properly. And where this gets really interesting is with a new medical staff, how was this team put together? What type of process do these guys have? And what type of protocol do you have to handle these things? And Jim Rutherford mentioned that he was not aware that the players were upset, or at least Quinn Hughes was upset with how Tanner Pearson was handled in the situation. But he was aware that there was an issue here. So what I'm curious about is how far back does this go? How aware were you? And when putting together this medical staff over the course of the offseason heading into the season, did you have all your ducks in a row? Did you have the right team put together? Are they working together really well? And what type of overall spending are you are you doing on your training staff, on your medical staff? And also, how far are you going when it comes to the surgeries? Has anything changed from how you did stuff before? And I think going through those protocols is a reason why the NHLPA is getting involved to kind of compare, okay, well, how were things done before? How are things being done now? Have all the checks and balances have been correct because it seems like with NHLPA getting involved, there is some concerns from the PA side and perhaps even Tanner Pearson's side that this wasn't handled properly. And this could lead to a lot of issues with the club and also long term with the PA and perhaps some sort of 
we'll see when it comes to compensation how these things get handled. But when it gets to the NHLPA side and it gets to the NHL side and an overall investigation is happening, there's cause for concern. And that's my big question here about how they put this medical st- staff together and how well have they worked together to make sure all the checks and balances are correct and they're doing the right thing. And we don't have the answers to that yet. So, Seth, this might be a dumb question, but when you heard this, the quote from Jim Rutherford a couple of days back, he's saying that he was not aware of any issues with regard to Tanner Pearson. My question is, how do you not know if you're the president of the team? So if he meant that as, hey, I don't know what was going on, then that's a dereliction of duty to some extent, right? You're not aware of what's happening in your club you're the president, you should be aware of these things. If you meant it as I wasn't aware that the players were upset about this in terms of Tanner Pearson's friends, Quinn Hughes and him have a good friendship. He wasn't aware that the locker room was upset about how the situation was unfolding, which is a bit more explainable. But at the same time, to your point, how are you not aware of everything going on with your team? That's your job to know. And when we look at this front office that's been put together, Jim Rutherford, tons of experience. Patrick Alvin, a smart, sharp general manager. You look at Emily Castonguay, you look at uh, Cami Granado, Derek Clancy, the way they put their front office together, the amount of money they spent, the hope was that not a lot's going to slip through the cracks here, especially big things. And they spent a lot of time talking about team culture, doing right by the players, creating an environment where the players can become the best versions of themselves and, and really supporting them. And maybe they've done all those things, but all we can really go off is what comes out publicly. And then now all of a sudden you have this big dramatic situation about a player injury, which may have not been handled correctly, that has an overall investigation ongoing. So how do you square what your desire was as a front office and how you were going to move forward with where we find ourselves right now? And how much of this is things sometimes happen and how much of it was your duty, as you mentioned, Frank, is to be aware of these things, get ahead of these things, and not allow these things to fester and become public the way they have. And even if this wasn't your fault, publicly, PR-wise, it comes off as a failing, and it's another controversial situation this organization has to deal with when they're trying to put a team in the right direction. Yeah, it's almost been like watching a soap opera all season long. And I think to the comments from Quinn Hughes, when he says that about Tanner Pearson, the first thing I think of is the players always know more than we do. So if he's hinting that this is an issue, it probably means it's a long-term issue for Tanner Pearson and being able to resume his career. So we'll see how these procedures unfold. I wanted to get your thoughts as well on the passing of Gino Ochik. Some sad news on Sunday Uh, gone at the age of 52 way too soon and obviously a staple in the Vancouver community for so long. Uh, Just give us your thoughts and remembrances if you have a good Gino Ojic story. I mean, everyone has a personal Gino Ojic story because you talk about a guy who, no matter who you were, if you ran into Gino Ojic, he had time to chat with you. He would ask you know, you questions and he'd treat you like a friend. And whether it was media or fans or anybody, he didn't even know that would walk up to him or something. He, he was just such a good, genuine human being. And my favorite memory personally of him is the first time I got a chance to talk to him. And it was uh, outside of the Canucks locker room one day. He was just kind of hanging around. He had his top hat on doing his thing. And I was just going to ask him about, hey, hey, you know, the game's kind of changing. What do you think of the toughness out there? He's like, man, if it was up to me, I'd still be playing for this team and I'd go be defending these guys. It drives me crazy that, that guys take runs uh, at Canuck players nowadays. We don't have enough guys defending them. And even into his 40s, into his 50s, and until the very end, like he bled Canuck colors. And if he could throw a jersey on, throw skates on, and go out and defend a teammate or defend a Canuck he's never even spoken to, he would do it just because they're a Vancouver Canuck and that logo means that much to him. And 
you don't often see players and you do see to some extent where the role players are fan favorites. You see it across the National Hockey League. I mean, we've seen it with um, with Chris Neal and the Ottawa Senators, of course. And, you know, he had a few big years scoring-wise, or relatively speaking. And Gino didn't quite have that, but he had a 16-goal season. But he also what he did was he protected the best players on his team. Him and Pavel Burry had a friendship that went beyond what they did on the ice. And you could really see and, and sense that. And when you see a player, especially through that era of Canucks hockey, who would literally fight and bleed and break bones and do anything humanly possible, not only to win hockey games, but to protect the, his teammates and represent that crest. Fans understand that. And it's not very often you see a player who, who cares about the logo maybe as much or more than fans do. Because fans will have a fanatical response to the logo. They'll be very tribal. And it really felt like for a lot of Canucks fans growing up that Gino Ojic felt the same way and more about that logo and that created such a strong bond with the fan base yeah so well said sad and just think of gino ochik and his passing as you mentioned the beret bromance that he had such an icon in the indigenous community and meant so much to all those who knew him in vancouver gone way too soon the gentle giant at age 52 thanks so much for joining us today to talk canucks on the all 32 which is brought to you by montana's this sports season bring back the viewing party at montana's with their brand new daily deals today is monday that means half price wings head over to montana's.ca for more info Thanks so much, Sat. Hey, uh, thanks very much, guys. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, Frank. We are 96 minutes away from finding out the waiver news for the day. That's pretty good math on my part to do that on the fly. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic was the big one yesterday. The question is simple. Is this guy getting claimed? I think he is. Um, I think I, I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to give you the likely destination. I'm going to say Arizona. And then I'm going to say the second destination potentially behind Arizona is Seattle. You've seen Seattle's had good luck on the waiver wire to this point already in the season, taking Ellie Tolvin in from Nashville. Uh, he's been kind of nothing short of a revelation in uh, about 10 games so far with the Kraken. So that's been great. Um, and I think he could give their goaltending a boost in Seattle, both goalies sub 900 save percentage. The question is, will they take on the full cap hit, uh, which I think is part of the issue and maybe why, Ultimately, a trade ends up being more likely than a claim. But even from a Coyotes perspective, uh, to then put Nedeljkovic and Vejmelka together as a tandem, um, you could trade Vejmelka. His name popped up in trade discussions over the weekend, according to Jeff Marrick. So to me, um, I think it makes sense for Arizona, just another asset that you can flip at some point. Maybe you're even willing to retain at some point, given that he's a pending UFA. So I don't know. I don't think the Coyotes, for instance, could go wrong in taking a shot on someone like Nedeljkovic. All he costs you is that cap it. No assets going out the other way. So we'll see if he gets claimed. Frank, that's spicier than a plate of hot wings from our friends at Montana's. Uh, let's move along and get to our daily face-off best bets segment. And I got a couple of plays today, including another shot prop parlay. But I want to start with the matchup between the New Jersey Devils and the San Jose Sharks. You see it at the top of the screen there. And I'm, I'm always a little bit of a sucker for when I can get a good plus money payment on a team that I think is just quite frankly, a lot better 
And I'm taking the puck line here because it is set at plus 130. The Devils started off this road trip with a victory over the LA Kings. And guess what? They covered the puck line in that hockey game. And now they've had a couple of days off as well. It's not like they're playing on any sort of a back-to-back situation on the road. So I love taking them in this puck line spot. The Sharks are coming off a game where they just got waxed by the Edmonton Oilers 7-1. to So I love taking the Devils to not just win, but cover. And then I'm also going with another shot prop parlay, finding two guys where the line is set at one and a half combining the two overs and once again getting a plus money payout here jt comfer has hit this number in nine of his last 10 and in a lot of those games he's not just getting two he's getting three or four or even more than that and then i also like taking eric gustafson once again i had good luck betting on him last week and same thing he's hit this thing in five straight and he's not just you know barely getting it every game there's games where he's getting three or four shots on goal He's hit it in seven of his last 10. I love combining these two and juicing it up to plus 132. So a couple of bets, both in the plus money department. Frank's looking for a couple of dubs to start off the week. Let's wrap it up with a little garbage time. What do you got? What caught your eye over the weekend? Yeah, so Zach Dalpy ended up clearing waivers, which is nothing new to him and his son. Check out this clip that he posted on Twitter over the weekend. Another year, another clear. Thanks, buddy. Love this. Another year, another clear. And I don't know, I think to me, two things goes to show you one, uh, you know, everyone's kind of waiting on the waiver news and maybe wasn't a bit of a shock. But when you look at Zach Dalpy and his family and where they go next, what city they're playing in next, these are real world implications that mean something for him and his family. Everyone's sitting on pins and needles for a span of 24 hours from two o'clock to two o'clock and just wanted to give him a little love. 165 games played in the NHL the hard way. When you look over each of the last 13 seasons, there's only been one that he didn't play a game in the NHL. That was in the shortened pandemic season in 2019-20. Every other year, he's popped into an NHL lineup, whether it's been for Carolina, Vancouver, Buffalo, Minnesota, Columbus, or Florida. He's found a way to put a couple goals in the net. Keeps going as the sort of uh, quad A player, if you will. Not necessarily an AHL guy or an NHL guy, a tweener. And so he's been able to continue on and uh, just love the video that he posted with his son. Certainly a sense of humor as well after all these years playing pro hockey. Yeah, I love that line. You doing it the hard way kind of thing, because you're right. It's a lot of going back down to the American League, riding the bus kind of thing, but definitely uh, deserving and happy for him that at least it's another year and another clear. And for us, Frank, it's another show in the books. We'll be back all week, though, noon Eastern time with Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you're subscribing to that Daily Faceoff YouTube to not miss any of our content as we lead up the trade deadline season and that'll continue to be a big topic throughout the week enjoy your monday hockey fans it's a big slate tonight and we'll break it all down tomorrow hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.